0: Last thought here, I encourage you, and I know you're too smart to, to never Google it yourself, but I just did Google out of amusement. There's three things that come up. People also ask, what happened to Michael Checklist? Does Michael Checklist still act? And the third one, the best one, is Michael Chicklist a nice guy. We can all confirm Michael Checklist is a nice guy. Thank you for the time here on
1: Cinepa. Thanks. I appreciate that.
0: Awesome. The visual opulence remains stunning, and Midge wears clothes to die for. That's still part of the draw, but there's now feeling that the series is treading water. That's John Doyle of Globe and Mail, his review of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, our featured review, this time here on Cinephile. Yes, we talk movies, but sometimes talk a little TV show, streaming on Amazon Prime. The eight episodes of season four are in the book, and of course, we're talking about Turning Red. Huge film, Pixar going right to Disney+. Plus. My kids have seen it multiple times. I'm going to assume Chris's daughter has as well. I thought you were talking about me. That's a Chris Cody story, right? Turning red, whenever just your (laughs) lifestyle. It's like when plants turn different colors. You know what's that (laughs) called? That's that's like Chris Cody. Also, as far as our old movie is concerned, we're going to talk about The Wrestler because after my stint with WWE, I wanted to go watch The Wrestler, see how accurate that film was. And The Wild Card... We are going to do an extensive review of winning time at some point, but Michael Chiklis, fabulous, in the second episode playing Red Arbuck That's right. The Boston Celtics coach. He's our special guest today. He'll talk with the Shield and other matters as well. So that is the lineup for today. But most importantly, Chris Cody and the gang, back by South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, the the musical is a gigantic hit. Number one on iTunes. I see all these charts. It's Wild. incredible. That alone is a remarkable story, and I'm sure you're going to tell South by Southwest stories. You've been doing so on the Dan Lambertard Show. But you're now a team owner? <laughs>
2: Yeah, well of what sport yes of the NFL I'm one of the new no uh, yes in High Lie down in Miami to answer your question I am a team owner of at the Magic City Fronton they play High Lie there's four teams in the league I'm the owner of one of them I'm going to be out there I was with my team earlier today we record this on Wednesday I'm going to be out there with the team in the owner's suite on Sunday watching them play and uh, it was one of those things where who on the show else uh, who, who has coaching experience me who's the best athlete on the team me so this, this uh, made this made eh, you hey.
0: No, no, listen. You've underrated speed. I get that, but you're telling me Stu Listen, that guy was like a lacrosse all star, pretty good. I athlete.
2: dominate Stu in golf. Stu doesn't want none of this. There's Tony is my only competition on the team. Anthony, like that's the only guy that has the athletic chops that I have. But what
0: about Whittingham, Whittingham seems like a pretty good athlete.
2: Whittingham plays soccer on the weekends. I believe like weeknights, like he's like in a beer league soccer league. But no, Whittingham, your your judgment is off there. Whittingham does not seem like a good athlete.
0: In honor of Witty, he had texted me and Chris, because he's a devoted listener of the podcast, yeah. and he, I love he gave you us Whitty. the reason. I can't believe I yeah. just
2: crushed him as an athlete right here. I, just I about to
0: say, he's one of the loyal supporters of our show. He had texted us, because I questioned, why did Lin-Manuel Miranda not submit We Don't Talk About Bruno and the song they did submit, he felt like that was more reflective of the movie, etc. He also said he was shocked that I hate wearing ties yet went into a business where the mandatory requirement is to wear a tie so in honor of Woody today i'm wearing a tie chris can verify I, I finished mlb network earlier today i said rather than change i want chris to see me in a tie
2: and, and i'm in a collar shirt because i was being i had to put my owner hat on and i had to go meet my team and you can't go meet your highlight team and shake your players hands without a collared shirt, so I'm excited. Uh, Yeah,
0: I I would say a collared shirt, perhaps. All (laughs) right, uh, team owner, Chris Cody, with us today. Um, Before we get into the movies, I did want to talk about the Critics' Choice Awards, which just took place this weekend. Uh, This is a new audience, so this may be a rehash for some people from the past, but I've attended the Critics' Choice Awards because I've been a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association, so part of that is you normally get a bunch of screeners, you get to go to the awards show, so... I went up to Los Angeles a couple years ago and I, I submitted the credentials to not only work the red carpet, which means that literally I'm trying to wrangle whomever to come over, and most of them ignore you and keep walking, Julia Roberts, et cetera. But the one that did come over to say hello, and I said, Tony, Tony, go, sure. Tony Shalhoub. We're talking Marvelous Mrs. Maisel today. And he was great. It was three minutes on my little camera recorder. And I was like, I love Big Night, one of my favorite movies. He talked about Big Night. We talked about Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But I had not seen the show. So I had to completely bluff and go, oh, my God, this show is so popular. So funny. God, so how did you, I mean, you must be just thrilled with this show. So if you listen back to the interview with Tony Shalhoub, (laughs) it's like episode 120. You will clearly tell I've never seen Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But I love Tony Shalhoub, and he was very kind to come. Now, I took as my date Max Bredos. (laughs) <laughs> so Mad Max those who remember obviously a close friend of mine from our days at ESPN and of course Ben Lyons is there Ben is also a member of the BFCA so Ben because he had praised Vice so much he called it the best picture of the Adam K. McKay movie he was sitting at the Vice table like they were like this guy Ben Lyons no critic praises for more than him he's at the table did they he do was it, sitting... that
2: to be funny or no, was it just like a reward he's <laughs> the
0: critic that lo- that's a reward he loved it so much he was sitting I don't remember seeing McKay but he was right next to Christian Bale I go, mean, this is amazing. He's like table five. He's right through Christian Bale. So, me and Brett Oss at another table that I did not recognize the people we were with, respected them, but I believe it was Annapurna Productions. So, I, I can't remember what films they'd had out that year, but I definitely raved about them, supported them. When I sat down, they knew who I was. Hey, Adnan, I mean, good to see you. I'm like, yeah. But here's the thing you're supposed to just enjoy the award show and kibitz but I wasn't there for that. I yeah. told Brett Oss every commercial break, we were getting up and we are going to be glad handling. We we're going to be shaking hands, rubbing elbows, meet as many movie stars as we can. He goes, all right, I'm in. So first commercial break, we get up and you have like two minutes, right? Ninety seconds. Work the room, go back down. Work the room, come back down. First we see, of course, the great Barry Jenkins. Now this is shortly after Moonlight has won Best Picture, and Max was astonished how happy Barry was to see me because he's like, wow. you know he hear these well, he's your buddy he was like ah, man. I'm like Barry big yes. hug it out blah 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 uh, like how are you I'm like dude Moonlight won Best Picture you're my guy how's he looking at you he, what a moment he started, he started pitching me a show for ESPN I came out what it was now remember, it was kind of around the horn type movie type show he's like Yo you should do that you should pitch them on that and Brett奥斯 He's a gigantic Florida State guy. So I think Barry felt bad. Listen, Barry's a Florida State I shouldn't reveal this. I'm not, I'm not going to reveal this. There's something about Barry and Florida State, but we won't get into that. Anyways, <laughs> no, he kind of broke Brunass' heart for a second. We kept on going. I go, that's fine. Barry, good to see him. Like, Underground Railroad, check it out. Next commercial break, I go, let's go get Vigo Mortensen. This is the year that Green Book came out. Me and Brunos go over again, Vigo Mortensen, and Max was great. Max spoke Spanish to him and started talking with his favorite soccer team. And as he's talking, Vigo did this very subtle point, and he's wearing the pin of his favorite soccer team. Forgive me, whatever, I believe it's in Argentina. I don't even know now. But it was a, a Spanish soccer team, and Max is going, in Spanish, he's telling him, and Vigo's like, hey. Huh? It'd be like, if someone goes up to me and starts talking hockey, I'm like, hey, fly, I'm, boy, I got a flyer, yeah. right here. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm like, Vigo loved Max. It was like, oh, he has a pin and the colors of the tie, I think, were the team colors of the soccer team. I'm like, oh, Max, you were hitting a home run here. I got Barry Jenkins, you got Vigo Mortensen. Next commercial break, I see Paul Schrader, of course, the great director of First Reformed. He wrote Taxi Driver, co-wrote Raging Bull, and I'm following him. He's like 74 years old. And I follow him. And it's so, like, it's so stalkerish.
2: Following he goes him. to the bathroom.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I track him. I'm like, okay, there's Paul Schrader. The I stall no, next okay. to him?
2: You went to the stall next no, to him? No, he
0: goes in the bathroom. I'm going to wait outside. Oh, now, God. again, 90-second break here. He went longer than 90 seconds. So he's dropping a deuce. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to hang out here for a while. After five to seven minutes, he walked out. I was like, Paul, I just want to say hello. My name is Adnan Burke. I interviewed you for my podcast, Cinephile. You were on the train. And he laughed. He goes, Amtrak? And I'm like, well, how would I know what train you're on? Like, I interviewed you from Bristol. Yeah. You were on the train. But I realized I phrased it poorly. I interviewed you on the train. Well, what train? Amtrak? Like, were we were going to Baltimore. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, Allison had hooked it up. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, Amtrak. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just want to say I'm a huge fan. Love your work. Okay, cool. Now we get to the big moment. Max knows Charlize Theron. Max ah. grew up in Australia. He's like, I got to go say how to Charlize. I'm like, all right. So far, we've done great. Barry, legitimately thrilled to see me. Vigo, Max lit up. I'm Hersh Ali, also my guy. I went to Hersh Ali's six of it. He knows who I am. Hugged it out. How you been, boss? This is my wife. How are you? Nice to meet you. So we're we are crushing it. And like every person, week, we're running up, meeting people. This is awesome. Charlize Theron is in conversation at her table twelve, sitting next to Jennifer Aniston. Oh man. And and Max goes over, and I don't know exactly six again. I'm I'm next to him, but I saw Charlize Theron turn, and it was not a look of joy. Like when Barry Jenkins saw me, hug it out, Mursa Ali, big hug. She was not kind of, Now, in fairness to Max, she did give a look of recognition, like she knew exactly was. <laughs> the negative who he was. one.
2: That's worse. It, That's it worse negative, than it just, indifferent.
0: She, it, it, it was indifferent. She just looked at kind of like. And I remember she didn't use his name. I was impressed because like she was chewing a carrot. She's like, "Hi, Max," and I'm like, "Okay, she knows him by name," and and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like the blood just drained from his face. And then I see him working hard, and he's bringing up, "How's your mom doing? How's this? How's that?" And she just could not be more disinterested. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Now, at one point, Max made some bad joke, which Jennifer Aniston laughed at. I was like, give him credit. He said something. Jennifer Aniston got a trickle. We walk away, and I'm like, I don't even know how to say it. And Max just looks at me. Did you at least get the, hey, how's it going with them? I can't remember if I did. I don't like I think I saw her turn. You'd remember. You'd remember. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't think I touched her (laughs) hand. I think I was like, I think I just kind of nodded. I just knew. I'm like, no way. And we walk away, and Max is like, And it's like when your buddy just got rejected and you can't lie to him. So I'm just kind of quiet. Like, I can't say anything. How come he's inconsolable? And he's like, That was awful. I'm like, Yeah, I don't know what happened there.
2: I feel like we're only reviewing the Critics' Choice Awards for you to be able to tell those stories. And I'm here for it. I am here for it. Oh,
0: yeah, I, well, this is exactly what it was. Because I've told these stories before. If you're a Cinephile listener, you've heard yeah. it. And Max, by the way, has come on the podcast. But I just know you have not heard the stories. Oh, no, stories. That, and a lot of I our don't audience. And a lot of audience has. Yeah, so, that's perfect. Yeah. So for, really for that, that is perfect. If you're winning Critics' Choice Awards, and I it's think, where Brett Oss just got the Heisman from Shalisa. And, and I run. think
2: we got to put it on the poll whether it's a little past the line of just waiting five minutes for some guy to, who's taking a shit. He's clear. Did you at least act like you were walking by? Oh, hey. Yeah,
0: I could, You're right. I did kind of post about some of the bathroom, but I tried to kind of look around like I was looking for something. But no, I like right, so was something like. like oh. I think he's talking. like you're like
2: oh, did you at least play surprise? Like oh, Paul sure had no idea you were there. No, in I don't,
0: like, I think I was like making a beeline. Like, <laughs> or
2: were you there with I'm your eyes wide movie. open, like yeah, right yeah, when he so walked like, out? Like hey, Shred, like,
0: dude, you you work with Scorsese? Like, oh my god, man, I love you. Like, uh, I was definitely stalking him. About it. he could feel it. but, he, but it, actually, but in fairness, Ben lines me at this point because I remember afterwards we went for for drinks with Ben. And, uh, and his buddy Horowitz, and he was like, dude, Paul shooter, nobody was talking to me. He probably lit up. Are you kidding? Yeah. He's probably thrilled. It would have been this a lot. This guy stalked me out, was so happy to see me. You're
2: right. It would have been weirder of you if you got, went in and sat down at the, the toilet next to him. It was like, hey, Paul, i know those feet anywhere. I'd know those feet anywhere. How's it going?
0: <laughs> that would be just disturbing. But we did close in a strong note. I love Better Call Saul, despite the fact I ripped Bob Odenkirk's book last week. I saw Odenkirk at one point putting... Uh, Eye drops in his eyes, which I don't I don't really see people do that. So like, he's it. got context or
2: Smoking some weed?
0: No, I don't think so. I, I literally just walked by and I go, Bob, big fan of your work, and this was pre-better call saw. Better call saw just come out. It it's just come out. So I was like, I just want to tell you I love you in the Larry Sanders show. He's like, Oh, thanks, thanks so much. And as we're leaving, a guy comes and goes, Adnan, Max, we're like, okay, now we we finally got recognized. He's yeah. like all right. It's Ray Seahorn's husband, who's a phenomenal guy. He's not in the business, but he, he recognizes us right away. And I try to see his wife. I go, oh, my God, it's Ray Seahorn, Of course, the better call Saul, Kim Wexler. Yeah. So she's like, oh, hey. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you're, I, I'm a huge fan of yours, blah, blah, blah. He's a fan of being Max. We get a picture together. Wow. And she, he's, I, think, I think he says, my boys are big sports fans. They watch you. And he's like, we'll do a video right now. We'll do a video. Max and I do a video. OK, coming to you live. You're alongside Ray Seahorn, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Hey, just want to let you know, blah, blah, blah. Amazing. So Ray Seahorn, we finally got the podcast like a year ago. And if you listen back to it, you will see that I, I mentioned the Critics' Choice Awards. I'm like, hey, we met because your husband's a big fan, big fan of your work. Here we go. But I'll never forget a lot of highs that night, but an unbelievable low for Max as well. <laughs> that brings us to the Critics' Choice Awards from this past Sunday. You know, I Ray, Ray
2: Seahorn cousins with Jason Seahorn, former cornerback. Is joke. that right? No, I just made that up.
0: Okay, I said there's no way that's true. I'm like, yeah, it's different spelling. She's see her with two e's. I'm like, that's not right. Jason see her, good guy though. Danny Canal knows. I'm him, really
2: funny. Him. That was a great joke by me.
0: The better joke here was the Brian Cox linebacker yeah. pads. We had people tweeting us about linebacker pads. Yeah. Critics' Choice Awards took place. Um, here's the reason why they actually do matter. The Critics' Choice Awards have the best indication and predictive rate of what actually wins the Oscars. Now, they have more nominees than the other award shows. They'll have like seven actor nominees. So it's a bit of a cheat, but Power of the Dog wins Best Picture. That means it's the favorite right now to win Best Picture at the Oscars. Jane Campion wins Best Director, made an odd ill-timed joke at the Williams sisters, gave them props but said, you guys don't play against men. It was a very odd joke. I'm like, not Ooh. really sure what she was thinking, but she won Best Director. Best Actors Expected, Will Smith, Runaway Freight Train. Best Actress, Jessica Chastain, wasn't sure who the favorite was. She wins the SAG Awards, Screen Actors Guild Award. She wins the Critics' Choice. Chastain, now the favorite. Supporting actor, supporting actress. Very straightforward at this point. You know, for supporting actress, Ariana DeBose is not going to lose for West Side Story. She's a runaway freight train. And Troy Kotzer, the great feel-good story from CODA, he wins supporting actor. Great speech by my man, Michael Keaton. This time did not choke up as he did at the SAG Awards. I don't think he actually mentioned his nephew this time, but he mentioned his... Uh, sister, and he said, Listen, the women out there, they have to deal with these kids who go through addiction. He's like, Listen, he actually said, he goes, I'm a good dad. Like he goes, I take care of my son. He goes, But the moms, man, they feel it differently. It's hard on the moms, all those struggling with addiction. You have my respect, et cetera. So my man, Michael Keaton, another great speech, as always. And as I said, those awards were fairly chalked. They were predictable as you expect. Tay Diggs hosting it, not sure why he's the guy. Like, I'd like to see Ben Lyons hosting it, but Tay Diggs just, just corners the market on the critics' choice awards. And it's always the show. It's the only show I watch, I think, all year that's on the CW. Like if somebody said to me, What is a show on the CW? I'm like, I have no idea. But it's Channel 11 on my cable package, and I watch the Critics' Choice Awards every single year. All right, let's get to some movies. Turning Red. A 13-year-old girl named Mylene turns into a giant red panda whenever she gets too excited. What an amazing story for an idea, right? Best part about it, let's be honest, it's Canadian. takes place... Turn of the century, 2002, Canada. And she's got a big Canada maple leaf on her shirt. You see the CN Tower in a bunch of shots. They mentioned Toronto. But, of course, Chris Cody knows this. The second T is silent. You can tell they are not native Torontonians. They keep saying, oh, I can't believe we're here in Toronto. I'm like, no, you don't sound Canadian. So Toronto. that's a big miss there. I'm Toronto. deducting a maple leaf right away. It's right. Toronto. Let's get that yep. right. Okay. You know how to say it. Um, yep. Charming. It's sweet. My kids and I watched it Friday. They watched it again Friday night. May have squeaked in some of the viewing on Sunday. Listen, Pixar does this as well as they can, which is a story which is not only for kids, but also for adults. Uh, it's charming. It's funny. It's sweet. It's got an excellent voice cast. Um, and I think what's important is that I appreciate the fact that it's a story for young girls, particularly that age, which is very challenging. It's not young girls. It's not high school girls. It's at 13 years old, right? One of the big stories school, is the fact school, that... Yeah. Middle school, right? Awkward stage. Puberty. You're liking boys. You're into boy bands. I mean, it's a really hell of an awkward stage, right? Eighth Grade's an excellent movie, which I reviewed a couple years ago. Bo Burnham. Yeah, for you, it's going to be a disaster. (laughs) But I I really like the fact that they showed a girl who is really overcoming a lot at that time, and it's funny and sweet. The quips come furiously, as always. Not too long, hour and a half. So, Turning Red. Listen, if you've got kids, you've already seen the movie by now. I recommend it. I'm giving it 3 maple beliefs. Love the fact it was in Canada. Just wish they pronounced Toronto accurately. And best of luck to Chris when his daughter enters puberty. you got like 10 years, dude. Yeah. You're fine. Next up, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's one of these shows that's just absolute eye candy. It's about a housewife in 1958 who becomes a stand-up comic. I watched all eight episodes And I just love the look of it. You know, I love stories from that era. In many ways, I'm an old soul, right? You know, I love Sinatra. I love the Rat Pack. I love 50s style, et cetera, decor, fedoras. So you watch a show like The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, like, oh, God, I'd love to be there at this time, except for the virulent racism. I definitely would not be treated equally. But aside from that, I go, I love that era. So you're watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and just literally the production design is beautiful the clothing's amazing what rachel brosnahan wears you know the the elements of style to it i love the way that it's shot they very rarely edit it's a lot of cam. you look at the apartment in which they live and you go god i'd love to live in that apartment you know what i mean it's kind of like only murders in the building i just love the fact that a really cool apartment but that camera just follows and tracks everywhere so it's it's very sharp in the way it's done you think of a lot of comedies situation comedies quick cuts quick cuts laugh tracks back in the day here it's a lot of the steady cam and the long tracking shots, it's really beautifully done and the reason why I like the story is because it's about a female comic, right, for those unaware of the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it's about a woman, you know, leaves her husband, they have a divorce, ends up being a comic, trying to find love, etc., still looking after her kids, she's got a really foul-mouthed manager who's always played with very entertaining fashion. Uh, and, of course, my man, Tony Shalhoub, who's great as her father. He's won awards for the performance. Marin Hinkle plays the wife. But the problem is often happens, Chris, with shows like this. The first episode's gangbusters. They win a bunch of Emmys. Second season's pretty good. Third season loses a bit of juice. and the fourth season has lost a little bit of juice as well. I just think they, they don't have as many compelling stories for the main character, which is uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but a tremendous ensemble cast. Shalhoub has a great moment in the final episode, episode 8, in which he is talking to the father, Kevin Pollak, which I think is really beautifully done. Done. Jason Alexander, of course, George from Seinfeld. He pops up for a one-episode cameo as a former paramour. And I like again the supporting cast to me is really well done. Michael Ziegen is very good as Joel, her ex-husband. Alex Borstein, the aforementioned, great. as Susie Meyerson. hysterical. I mean, yeah. she shows up with that hat, you know, language like a sailor, just yeah. all over in everybody's faces. So it's one of those shows. Like I said, I can watch it with my wife. I love that era. I don't think it's as good as it once was. But eight episodes, an hour apiece, and they've already announced they're only going to have one more season after this. So I think for a lot of shows, Ricky Gervais knows, right? Gervais goes like three seasons. It's like six episodes of The Office, six episodes of The Office, one special, I'm done. I'm glad that Maisel recognizes not as much in the tank. I'm sure it's a very expensive show to do. It's one of the few shows that I watch in Amazon Prime. So I enjoyed uh, season four. I'm giving it three Maple Leafs, and I cannot wait for season five, which will probably be another year from now.
2: I was on a plane once. You know how you get these, like, I was on American Airlines and you get the shows, but they only give you like the first four seasons, like four episodes. Because like on these yeah. planes, you'll like. So I had Marvelous Miss Maisel pop up. I'm like, oh, this. I'll watch this. Oh, first four episodes on a long flight. Banged it out. Loved it. We thought everything you were yes. saying, everything you were saying. I was like, oh, she's gonna do comedy. Oh, I just love the way this looks. I love that. Yeah. I, I love shows about this time. I yeah. Haven't watched it since. I guess beautiful set, wonderful decor.
0: Excellent music, wonderful performances, charming, funny, surprisingly profane, very salty language. Well, and you're right. Why you I were haven't like, I kept nah, watching
2: out. it? What's, what's wrong? Like, I, I'm not out. I just don't think to watch things. Wow. Well, I like the fact at least it's a partial review because you are saying
0: you've seen it. I've I was worried the, you'd never seen I've it. I've seen so the first seen four
2: episodes, episodes, really enjoyed well, them, haven't gone back. I think it's if it was on Netflix or. I don't go to Amazon Prime a lot. I think if I was scrolling the things I go to to just scroll, if I saw it, I would have watched it by now. But I'm never just scrolling around Amazon Prime.
0: That's an excellent point. I'll be honest. I don't think there's any other show that I watch on Amazon Prime. So I I go to Amazon Prime
2: when I'm going there. there. Right.
0: Did you watch Turning Red by the way, or no? You must. You were busy. You were South by Southwest. I haven't
2: watched it. God
0: damn it. it. (laughs) Uh, You're gonna be watching it. Your daughter's gonna watch it. Thank you
2: for bringing that up. A guy at South by Southwest, I met a ton of fans. And a few people came up and mentioned Cinephile to me. And it was they're yes. all nice comments. But one guy in particular was like, dude, I love Cinephile. I love you being on it. I've always listened to it. I'm a movie guy. It was like a perfect listener for Cinephile. And he was a fan of me. He was like, I love you on this show. He's like, you should watch more movies. And I was like, and I had this moment. I was just like, you're absolutely right. Like if
0: he praised I, you, but then he actually gave you constructive. He just kind
2: of was just like, he gave me all these nice things. He's just like, but you should watch more, man. I think if you did, it, you would add stuff. I was just like, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm taking the easy way out. I'm going for the bit and being like taking the easier way out. Like I, sh- yeah. I need to, having said that I didn't watch anything on the plane home. Like I could have watched the wrestler. Like I'm still a POS, but there's, <laughs> I'm at least like the, well the wall is starting to get broken into of like, Me realizing, you know what? Start watching some more fucking movies. It's your job. I've already got got the title for this week's podcast.
0: The Epiphany of Chris Cody. There it is. Find out what Epiphany Chris Cody discovered this week. Since you want to mention fan interaction, I took my kids recently to Humdingers, bowling alley here in Paramus. Very nice place. What a a funny
2: name for a bowling alley. Oh,
0: great, right? Humdingers. (laughs) Aaron Boone, I believe on his fantasy baseball team, was the humdinger. Because every time something would happen, you go, humdinger, humdinger, baby, something like that. I don't know if he still does that as the Yankees manager. That would be kind of awesome. Yeah. Stanton goes deep, he's like, Humdinger. I'm like, what? Are you still is that your fantasy team? I'm like, um, but anyways, I walked by and I heard a guy say adnan. I go, I don't think it's me. I, I think I heard it, maybe I'm hearing things. It'll look presumptuous if I turn around. I just kept walking. Later on, it is the same guy. Now that somebody makes eye contact, I say, Adnan, I don't want to bother I see you with your kids. I just wanna say, big fan, love your work, Levitard, Phobe. And I'm like, no, that's that's the other
2: one. I, Oh my God!
0: He literally goes big fan. So he knew who I was. He said my name, Levitard, right away. Did not mention anything. And he goes, "Phobe." And I'm like, "No, that's that's a mean no, That's the other."
2: So do we believe that that guy actually is a big fan of this? He doesn't listen to Cinephile, does he? He just knows you no, through Levitard. Listen. Exactly and just,
0: He knows you through Levitard, but doesn't know what Cinephile
2: is. That asshole. He just knows there's a movie fight. But he's like, hey, he's no, was- not gonna. He won't be listening, so it's fine.
0: But even better was Brian, who was great. I saw him at the Flyers game, and my buddy Mark Grillo was like, you're going to get recognized. I go, dude, I don't get recognized. I'm sporting Flyers events at. is
2: where it happens for me the sporting most. Sporting events,
0: come on. And we're just walking away, and it goes, ah, man. I'm like, Hey. Brian was great. He, he immediately goes, can I get a picture? I'm like, sure. And then the best part was, I said, make sure you tag me. Like, I'm going to give it some love. Yeah, put as one of the hashtags. Working Blue. That was yes. the best part of it. He said, great time running in New York, Go Flyers. I was hashtag like, hashtag
2: Working Blue. You are really good with names. Is it because he tweeted at you and you saw his name again? or are you No, someone no, I that-
0: remembered it right away. I said, Brian, good to see you. And I believe his friend's name was
2: Aaron. Wow. So you're good with names. Like, in, in names. general? Like, do you always, like, in your life, yeah, hey, i, I Because if I'm at a party somewhere, it's like, hey, I'm Steve. Like, I'm not remembering anybody's name no no I'm, I'm pretty good with names when i when i get the person's name i make sure i say it so if they mumble like i'm sorry what
0: was that so i make sure i hear it alicia alicia nice to meet that you i always help repeat me. it i say and it back after, too
2: never remember.
0: yeah And then i to try to say it in my head and so much so if i don't see somebody for a while the other day i hadn't seen someone i could not remember their name and it pissed me off <laughs> like I, I had to go back to my ig and i go no i'm gonna follow mutual friends with
2: like, oh my god that's you're, what it is you're like imagine if someone if you run into somebody have you ever done this because i've done this with people that i've met like listeners to the show where you meet somebody and you're like, hey, man, good to meet you. And they're like, oh, I met you at Moss Miami a couple oh, years back.
0: That, my boy Cabby is so popular. That happens to him all the time. It's like, hey – or even this, they'll say, hey, good to see you. Remember I met you three years ago? And you're like, how would I remember but that? But some like people I like, do
2: remember. Like there's been people that – like some people stick with you. So there are people at Moss Miami where all of a sudden I'm like, yo, a couple Moss Miamis ago. Like, I, like yeah. I, it, I'm not a complete asshole, but just it, there's nothing worse than – the person that's like, "Hey, good to meet you," and it's like, "Yeah, I've I met you before." Same with you.
0: You're trying to be polite. Hey, I'm good yeah. to meet you. What was your name? Yeah. Steve. I actually met you two years ago. Good to you go.
2: see you. Is is a safe play with all that stuff? You see, but but I imagine you beating yourself up. Like you do not. If oh, you, if so someone so if does bad. that to you, you're like it'll it'll kill oh, you for a week.
0: There's no. <laughs> a week might be excessive, but I'm not kidding. I could not remember that guy's name. I went right to my desk, Instagram. I checked mutual friends. <clears throat> was Steve. Damn it. And the next time I saw him, I overcompensated. I said his name like a mile away. I go, Steve, good to see you. What's going on? Everything good? How the kids?
2: You know, you can go no. to Instagram nowadays on your phone. You don't always have to go to a desk.
0: No, no. I, no, no, I, okay. I, no It's on my phone. Okay. But I wanted to do it at my desk. Okay. I wanted to berate myself. <laughs> now, to be clear, I didn't log on to my desktop. Let's Look, at turn at on this. Instagram. Dun, no, no.
2: Dun, it's like an old Apple. Know. It's like a big monitor. Like, in, okay, yeah, know.
0: I'm just mad <laughs> couple of reviews and then we'll get to uh, our special guest But the Michael Checklist is coming up and The Wrestler. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Alan Sepinwall of Rolling Stone. After a while, watching the show feels like being stuck on the Wonder Wheel with Abe and Rose and Midge with lots of loud talking that goes in circles without ever getting anywhere. Man, Sepinwall was a great guy just burying the show and turning red. A couple of reviews here. Kevin Mayer of The Times. Yes, there's a formula at work here, but who doesn't enjoy an exquisitely manipulated cry? And Richard Roper of The Chicago Sun-Times. The problems are mostly with the script, which often requires is to be almost irritatingly obnoxious. We'll get to Michael Chiklis in just a second. Last one, though, The Wrestler. I had a brief stint with WWE, seven weeks almost to the year now. It's been. I was the voice of Monday Night Raw, so I wanted to watch The Wrestler again, and I just think it's a fabulous movie. It's so well done. Darren Aronofsky is one of my favorite filmmakers. Yes, he misses the mark sometimes and misses badly, but when he hits, like with this, or *Wrecking for a dream, it's outstanding. A faded professional wrestler must retire but finds his quest for a new life outside the ring and a dispiriting struggle. It's written by Robert C. Eagle. Some say it's based on Jake the Snake Roberts. The first 30 minutes is about an old, beaten down wrestler. And it is so good at capturing the details of that wrestling life the loneliness, the isolation, the alienation. You go to these card shows, you sit there, you get your action figures, nobody's there. You know, it really isolates and shows how lonely these guys are. You're really holding on to your past glory. You're meeting middle aged guys in their 40s going, Hey, I remember you 20 years yeah. ago. This happened, this happened. And i they're literally, a lot of these guys are probably stricken. I mean, it's like, all right, 20 bucks here, 10 bucks here. They've got to get other jobs. I guess this happens to a lot of athletes, we know this, but it must be hard to think your past is is always going to be what you're known for and you're still trying to get by and make a living of it. And Mickey Rourke, phenomenal performance in many ways in ethics – or I should say a reminder of what he himself is. He was a great actor who kind of became a has-been, and Aronofsky cast him in a role to go, hey, you're going to play a wrestler who was once great and now has been. So as you're watching the movie, you wonder about the parallels for the actor himself, and it's a remarkable performance because not only is he muscular and beefed up and clearly on steroids, but he's also got a real humanity to him, right? The ogre who's got that heart of gold, who's yearning, who is trying to reconcile with his daughter, Evan Rachel Wood, who's got a couple of fiery tirades against her father, just absolutely Poisonous, and of course the beautiful Marissa Tomei playing a stripper Cassidy. You know, a guy like Mickey Rourke, this wrestler Randy the Ram, he's going to go seek companionship at a strip club, and you know that's a tough role to play because there's that cliche of all oh, the stripper who's you know the hooker with a heart of gold. But she actually is someone who's compassionate, who's caring, who is about the money. She's definitely
1: is this, you know, rated, R? Job. Is this rated, is rated R. Is this rated
0: R? Yeah, yeah, we got a few topless scenes, no question. And I don't think Noted. it's a double. I think Marissa, yeah, I think Marissa gets her own her own work done. But um, you know, she's actually caring about him and compassionate and. At the same time, is there for the money, and their relationship, I think, is fascinating. At one point, he tries to make a move on her. They go for a drink, etc. But the last scene is great because you know there's an inevitability to it. You know, whatever he does, he realizes he's never going to be able to make things work. And his job, which he does, is literally working in a meat store. And at one point, there's a woman who orders the meat, and he puts like potato salad in there. And she's like, "Okay, a little more." He goes back. She's a little less. He goes, "Okay, a little more, a little less." And you go, what a mind-numbing job. Some seventy-year-old woman's asking for potato salad. And at one point, his manager, who he walks in on who's blatantly watching porn. And he goes, seriously, can't you knock? Come back and try that again. He goes back, guy's watching porn, and he tells him, this is the job I have for you, a parade of hot, horny housewives begging for your meat. So this guy's being completely degraded, and then one scene he's got a guy who recognizes him. goes, oh, my God, you look familiar. And he's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, but he's like, no. You're Randy the Ram. I saw you. Ram jam. He goes, except you look old. You look beaten up now. This is terrible. And Mickey Rourke is so pissed. Like, oh, just, just literally punches the meat grinder. Thumb is all busted up. Blood starts spurting. It's like, I'm out of here. Throws the apron. And he's got a serious heart condition. This is why he can't wrestle anymore. But he makes that faithful decision. To go. You know what? I don't care. Come hell or high water. I'm going. And he goes to that final event. It's a rematch against an actor clearly built on the Iron Sheik. And Marissa Tomei shows up. And it's a beautiful scene. I thought it was longer, but it's maybe like a minute long. And she just says, Listen, you can't go out there, what about your heart? And he's like, you know, the real world doesn't care about me. He's like out there, those guys care about me. This is where I belong. And it's you know, it's so good because another movie would have been so over the top. No, you can't do this, you're gonna die. And she just goes, You, you can't. He goes, No, nope, I'm out there. He's like, I gotta go. And she goes, I'm here. She goes, I'm really here, which is her way of saying, Hey, I'm here for you. Like I, I understand care. what you're saying. Right. Don't do this, right? I care. She goes, I'm here. I'm really here. And he just looks at her and he's like, I gotta go. He walks out, Guns N' Roses, which I watched in the credits, special thanks to Axl Rose, because I'm like, that must not have been cheap to get that song. But, you know, you get the Guns N' Roses blaring, and the crowd's going nuts, and you go in the ring, he's fighting, he's punching, and at one point, you you can tell him he's he's shaking a little bit, and, you know, of course, these guys are friends, and the guy who's his nemesis is kind of whispering to him, like, are you okay, man, like, hang in there, like, he's like, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, keeps going, he's like, dude, like, you're gonna fall over, like, just pin me, we're done, we gave them enough now. But eventually he goes to the top rope, and you realize, like, this is it. And there's a great wide shot of him yearning, you know, reaching for the heavens, a close up, you know, he smashes the elbows and then jumps. And that last shot is just of the sky. And anybody who's a realist knows this guy dies in the ring. I mean, it is a despairing, dark ending, but it's also authentic, and in many ways, it's beautiful. Give it a beat. They hear the Bruce Springsteen song. Great Springsteen song called The Wrestler, which he wrote specifically Wait, for the movie. Wait, does this fade
2: out? Like, do you see Fetty dies, or does it just, like, oh, it, he jumps, shot. and it just, no, you just...
0: Yeah, 14-year-old, spoiler alert, you just see him jump, and that's it. You just see the sky, and that's
2: it. I mean, I feel like th- that... You are so good at this, man. Like, I have never seen that movie, and you made me, like, yeah. feel that. I mean, it, you kind of ruined it for me. I could never watch well, that's it. that's... I didn't want but... to... You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no no I can't old, spoiler I'm just saying right it's 14 years old that's why it's on me but like I was just literally like you were telling me about it and I was like feeling like I was watching it like you describe these scenes so vividly that I, you like take me there I, appreciate
0: it, man. I, I just love the fact it was an open ended ending and you can discover what you may have thought of happened. but if you've never seen The Wrestler go and check it out it's authentic it's really beautifully done Relatively short, I think it's about an hour 40, which I was impressed. Most movies these days are too long. Hour 40 tells a good lean story. Father-daughter trying to reconcile. A wrestler trying to reclaim his past. Great performances by Mickey Rourke and Marissa Tomei. And one of the best films of Darren Aronofsky's career. Next year, the 15th anniversary of The Wrestler. I thought we'd get it out of the way now. Four stars. Four main beliefs, I should say. All right. Now time for our main special guest. From winning time, here's Michael Chiklis. Well, it's a real thriller bringing in the great Michael Chiklis, Emmy award-winning actor. Of course, you know his work and love his work from The Shield and The Commission. And now he's on the fantastic new HBO show called Winning Time. He's playing Red back, and he's so great in this second episode, which just debuted on HBO. Uh, honestly, Michael, congratulations on being a part of the project. How does it feel to be a part of what I can immediately see is going to be another huge hit for HBO?
1: That's oh, great. It's great fun. Are you kidding me? I was born, raised, and educated in the Boston area. Went to Boston University between 81 and 85. So I bore witness to this rivalry exploding like it did. And my father, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm so upset that my father's not around to see this because he used to preach the gospel of Red Auerbach. You know, he would say, you see that guy? He's a winner. You know, <laughs> so uh, the fact that I get to play the late, great Red Auerbach is just a, it's a thrill.
0: That was one of the first things I looked up. I said, "Let me just double check where you're from." And I see Lowell, Mass. Like, okay, he's got to be a Celtics fan. So totally. this this is in this is in the blood. What kind of research did you do, at Red Arbuck Beyond smoking a lot of cigars and appearing okay. to have a smug look at condescension?
1: Well, you know what? Uh, we live in the information age, so it's really I'm lucky in that I was able to read a lot of books and, and see a lot of footage, frankly, and look uh, at a lot of stuff and different interviews and stuff. So I got a sense of who he was, how he spoke. Uh, but, you know, I got again that I think the most insight from was from Bill Russell's book, Red and Me, mm. um, because it's one thing when you talk about yourself, and your own life, and your own career. But when you when someone else, especially a great champion like Bill Russell, talks about you and, and their relationship, you just gain insights into the kind of man Red was and what made him special and what made him such a consistent championship coach and, and owner. And that was this, um, a collaboration. Uh, I mean, and, and he was progressive, man. He, he looked at a guy like Bill Russell, for example, and instead of being dictatorial and saying, hey, this is my offense, this is the way we're going to play it, he had an incredible eye and an instinct for, for what guys did really well, but he also was collaborative. He gave them a sense of agency and feeling of belonging and, and that they had control and, and a voice in their own life. He would say, Bill, what do you think? And Bill would tell him, and he, you know, he was shocked because no one ever did that to him before. Everyone just told him what to do um, or tried to. Uh, so I think that, the, you know, the insights that I gained from hearing what other people said about Red were much more valuable to me.
0: Russell, the ultimate champion, there's no question about it. He and Red Auerbach, obviously, so indomitable when you think of basketball circles. Oh What's also so memorable when watching winning time so far is the dialogue. Here's a few lines specifically from episode Two, you all want to pee from a tree, but when you see the price, your sphincter tightens. That's Jerry West. At one point, a character walks into Jerry West's place and says, this place smells like a gym sock farted. And particularly for your guy, Red, I live for competition. Championships aren't won, but taken by guys like me. It doesn't make me happy. I don't do it for the pussy. Celtic pride. It's never been a fucking leprechaun. It's me. How much fun is it to say this dialogue, Mike? Uh,
1: Well, listen, you just said everything for me. Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's delicious. You know, as an actor, the things that you want in your storytelling is you want to entertain people. And that's fucking entertaining dialogue, if I can say, fuck it. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> that, I mean, that's that's really entertaining stuff. That's fun. Uh, it's smart. It's insightful. So to me, the trifecta is, are we entertaining you? And at the same time, are we making you think and feel? Are, are you gaining some insight into the world? Are you, are you taking this ride and getting something from it other than just face value entertainment? And this fires on all cylinders. <phone rings> You, you know, you're gaining uh, a, a sort of a backstage pass to what shaped this rivalry and also this dynasty and what how it affected not only the NBA but all of sport thereafter. It really, really interesting. If you look at Red Auerbach and what he represented in this, he was the orthodoxy of basketball. He was East Coast mentality, work ethic, you know, uh, uh, came from basketball, coached basketball, lived, breathed, ate basketball, right? Winningest coach in the world. And here comes this interloper, this friggin' guy with the keys to the Playboy mansion, a guy that decides late in his life that he's gonna ah, I'll, I'll buy this team. He saw as a businessman and a fan of the sport of basketball, Jerry Buss went, Hey man, this should be fun. This could be much more lucrative if you you know if you brought in like uh, dancers and made the music loud and bah, 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 And you know he, he saw the showbiz aspect of it and if you have a guy like red aarbach who sees that he's probably going to look at him with a level of of disdain of like uh, and dismissal frankly you know i mean if he said if uh if jerry buss said to red oh hey well, how do i build this into a dynasty like you have of course he'd dismiss him like what do you think you're gonna just buy this and just walk in here and what are you, are you kidding me? He, of course he dismissed him. And I think he underestimated him initially, but I'm sure Jerry won his respect as a as an owner and as a competitor over time because winning uh, is the bottom line, right? And I think that conversely, I think that uh, Red probably lit a fire under Jerry's ass in wanting to beat him. And Really, have gaining an insight into well, if I'm going to beat these guys, I can't just pay for what they need. I I need to really nurture this. I need to give them everything that they need. I, and and the things that these two men had in common was a love for the game and a love for their their teams, the guys that they supported, a complete support for them.
0: I read the article in the Hollywood Reporter, and uh, it's amazing. Like, just the, how do you find a guy who's going to play Magic Johnson or Kareem mm-hmm. Abdul-Jabbar? And obviously, Adrian Brody have not seen him yet as Pat Riley, but he is forthcoming. But you get to share that scene with John C. Riley, and I mean, listen, I know the casting initially. I read the article; Michael Shannon was the guy, an actor who I do love, but he just wasn't comfortable with the whole breaking the fourth wall. So John C. Riley comes in. He's just such an engaging presence. Uh, As you said, Buss was a guy who looked underestimated and I'm sure John C. Riley can carry that across as well, but he's such a talented actor. What's it like working with him?
1: Well, first of all, I've always been a fan of John's. And now I'm even more of a fan and a friend. I really thoroughly enjoyed working with him. And we had some real bonding moments in the midst of all of it in our conversations about the way we came up, both came up in sort of blue collar families that moved into the middle class and, and, you know, we got 10 fingers from our parents and did okay ourselves and self-made in that way. And so we, we share a lot in, the, in, those, in those ways. And beyond that, I think there's very few actors in the world who could pull this role off of Jerry Buss because if you look at it at a surface level, you could find this guy reprehensible in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in myriad ways. But John's so disarming and so likable and so guileless. Yeah, his portrayal of Jerry Buss that you can't help but like the guy. He's just, you know, and, and by the way, he also sees this fine line where, yeah, he, yes, he loved women. He did, but he loved women. And which means he also had them all around him in high positions and, and, and valued their opinions and leaned on them in a big way. So, I mean, he brings all that, to it and more, so it's a fascinating portrayal. It really is very good.
0: I encourage everyone to check out Winning Time. Guileless is the perfect word so far for what we see from John Cena's performance. It's on HBO on Sundays, and it is a fantastic show. My brother Zayshon is a huge fan of The Shield, so when I texted him that I'm talking to, you. he said, "Okay, this is what you got to tell checklist." My like, all right, the first episode is incredible. He murders a member of his strike team who was going to rat him out. The end of the series is also memorable when he confessed the crime because he has immunity from the feds. There's so many shows, Michael, you know, that people love and then they criticize the ending. You know, people, uh, you know, mixed reviews, let's suppose, of The Sopranos or Seinfeld or Dexter. But I know everybody who watched The Shield loved the ending, they're like, man, that was a great show start to finish and they stuck the landing. How satisfying is it to you, knowing you were the face of this show, Emmy Award winner, and you guys got it right?
1: Well, let me start by saying thank you very much and, uh, and tremendously gratifying in answering your question. I think that Sean Ryan nailed it. Uh, it was very important to us that we stick the landing, as you put it. Um, look, uh, you put your your heart and your soul into something like The Shield and none of us wanted to drop the ball from the first day. We all had a sense that we were doing something special and it was an incredible collaborative uh, uh, situation. And I think if i contributed at all to the ending it was to talk about all the things it couldn't be which <laughs> like i oh, can't can't be him at the at the end going top of the world mind getting you know, <laughs> a cagney or, yeah or, or him and with the bars closing in front of him and him going to jail and you know it was sean who said hey listen this is a, a story about ambiguity and ambivalence and the gray the shades of gray in with regard to law enforcement and what we're willing to accept from law enforcement to keep us safe in post-9/11 America, so he was able to look at that and and go, oh, purgatory, perfect. <laughs> Let's put him in a gray suit and a gray cubicle, cut his balls off, and keep him where you know, and just and just mute this guy. And there's couldn't be no fate worse for a person like uh, Vic Mackey. Um, so. Uh, Kudos to my buddy, um, Sean Ryan, for just crushing it.
0: And it's a part of that great wave of men behaving badly when television really went to the next level between Tony Soprano and Don Draper and, of course, Walter White. Vic Mackey's right there. Like, that's a Mount Rushmore of incredible yeah. anti-heroes. Were you aware of those other shows, those other actors? I'm assuming you guys would see each other at award shows. You're all nominated. But, I mean, did you appreciate well, that great class of actors that you were among and how meaningful that was?
1: Well, a lot of those shows came after The Shield, and I became aware of them, obviously, and I'm a great fan of all of them, Um, and I've subsequently talked to a bunch of those guys about those. The one I was the most keenly aware of and came just before us was Gandolfini and and The Sopranos, that they were the first uh, to start with the anti-hero wave. Um, But remember, I grew up in the 70s, and there was a huge movement of anti-hero movies in the 70s that this is definitely, you know, um, uh, draws from, and also, uh, we're, we're all huge Shakespeare fans on the shield. And, uh, that also draws from, from the tragedies of Shakespeare as well. So I, I am aware of all those guys. I think it really made for some extraordinary television during that time in, 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 in uh, history. And I'm thrilled to have been a part of it
0: really is special. Um, I mentioned The Hollywood Reporter. I just saw a blurb here. Fox's anthology drama, The Accused. uh, They have signed Michael Chiklis from Howard Gordon, Alex Ganza. So this is breaking news to me. I just read last night. What can you tell me about uh, Accused?
1: Um, Well, the guys who who created House and Homeland Hmm. um, uh, created this show. And I had no intention of doing an episode on an anthology series. Because um, this is a one-off for me, it's just the pilot episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but out of deference to these men who are incredibly talented, when they sent it to me, I said, oh, of course I'll read it. And wouldn't you know, I read it in like a half an hour because it just ripped by and was one of the most brilliant scripts I've read in a long time. That I, I called my manager and I was like, um, I want to do this, it's so good. And they were like, "Oh, thank goodness!" Because if you said no, we were going to try to talk you into it because it's so big. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's true. Uh, it's just that from a script standpoint, look, you know, maybe it's just the purview of you know these anthology series. Uh, but like other great anthology series in the tradition of the Twilight Zone and Black Mirror, it is an existential question anthology series just happens to be from the point of view of a person who is accused and is about to find out one way or the other where they come out uh, from their you know what they're accused of right Um, so that's sort of the formula for the week to week but what it does is in each week it's a total standalone show that poses a particular existential question Uh, dark Uh, But, you know, not dark in the way that Black Mirror is, like an almost horror respect. It's more like Twilight Zone in that it's, you know, it's human. Mm -hmm. And um, although that sometimes could could get into the surreal as well. But um, uh, just brilliant writing, suffice to say, just... Something that I think people will bite their nails off watching. It's very, very good.
0: <laughs> Can't wait to watch Accused on Fox, and of course, everybody go check out Winning Time on HBO on Sundays. Hey last man, thing. Uh, one more plug. I'm sorry,
1: uh, yeah. and I'll get into this at another time. I hope that we'll be able to revisit and do another yeah. podcast about it. But I just played the oldest. Uh, I love that I played this in the same two months that I played Red Arbok because Red's older and the white hair and everything, the scars and. I just killed myself getting ready for and playing uh, the oldest college football player in the history of college football. It's a true story uh, based on a real man named Mike Flint. And I play the senior in The Senior, which oh, wow. we've just finished principal photography a couple of months ago. And uh, hopefully it'll be next football season that it, that it airs somewhere. We don't know. It's an independent film. So hopefully we'll, we'll get a release date soon and, and uh, figure all that out. But it'll definitely be coming out because uh, it's uh, Mark Chiarri produced it. Um, look him up; unbelievable uh, producer of sports films. Some of the best sports films ever made, in my opinion. Um, and um, Rod Lurie, who's an Academy yes. Award nominee and the contender director, yeah. So it was a great collaboration with amazing people, and Mary Stewart Masterson plays my wife. She's brilliant. Just incredible cast. Uh, the kids that are in this football team are unbelievable, and everything hurts me. My my eyebrows hurt because <laughs> it's an unnatural act to play football at fifty-eight.
0: Um, well, I remember reading some of the articles when you went from the commission to the Shield. You had to get like the best shape of your life. So I don't know how you did it again this time. But I'm sure it's my not wife was
1: like, "Your your career's ass backwards. What's wrong with you?" This is- you're getting older, and now you're playing football. What's what's wrong?
0: The senior, okay, the senior. Well, add to the list whatever it comes up. Like I said, just wrapped uh, principal photography. I'm hopefully like I said, independent film. It'll be at Sundance, other festivals. Hope you get the deal. Look forward <laughs> to watching the senior. Last thought here. I encourage you. And I know you're too smart to to never Google yourself, but I just did Google out of amusement. There's three things that come up. People also ask, what happened to Michael Chickless? Does Michael Chicklist still act? And the third one, the best one, is Michael Chickless a nice guy? Which I clicked on, and it says. In real life, Michael Chiklis is an affable guy, but in TV series like The Shield in Vegas, his intensity is frightening. We can all confirm, Michael Chiklis is a nice guy. Thank you for the time here on *Cinema*.
1: Thanks, I appreciate that.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Michael. That was awesome, man.
1: Cheers, man. You bet.
0: Am the biggest jerk alive, or what? I mean, I, I should not have read all those questions I on Google. Love I should have just said
2: that ending. I love. Like, that I should have
0: ending. just said to him, like, "Hey, uh, one of the questions that pops up is, are you a nice guy?'" Instead, I read the each one. The first thing and, that comes up is, yeah. "What happened
2: to Michael Chiklis?"
0: <laughs> like world's biggest douche.
2: I gotta get a bumper sticker.
0: And, and to be clear, as soon as we were that's done, that's you.
2: You're the yeah, biggest douche, not him, as we learned. No,
0: oh, yeah, no, I am. Are you kidding? The fact I said that, and as soon as it ended, he was like, and he said, he said he's like, oh, I kind of don't like that they're saying that about me. And I'm like, oh no, it's the internet, dude. Well, no big deal. Thanks so much, man. Oh my god.
2: Like that he, so he good. definitely
0: registered and he definitely thought about it. As soon as he hung up the phone, he's like, man, I, I kind of enjoyed that interview, but I can't. Believe His that last had the answer Google was stuff.
2: really short because it kind of like, yeah, he was just like, yeah,
0: because I read all three things. I said, is he still alive? he? Uh, he's a nice guy. Thank you so much. He's like, thank you. And I'm like pause hey thanks so much man yeah yeah, i kind of like that they're saying that about me i'm like oh it's the internet dude it's nuts and have a nice day and
2: for the people that don't know this was one of the rare interviews where we didn't get to see him because he was on a press junket so we we didn't get to see him usually we see our guests yes i so my our our cameras were off too because of that we were just like we don't need to be seen either and i i just so you know i hid when that quite like when you started reading (laughs) when i heard you reading the first thing is what happened to michael chiklis i just like fainted back it just like fell back on my floor. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: afterwards afterwards it ends and Cody's like, Oh, it's hilarious. Like, we gotta edit that again. We're not editing that. Like that's yeah. definitely making the guy like that's are you kidding? That's I loved it. It's hysterical. You're a complete doorknob and it's really funny. I'm like, okay, well, this is what we do here. We don't we don't edit mistakes, we edit everything as yes. it happens. Um, last thought here, R.I.P. to William Hurt, great actor, of course, just passed away, age of seventy-one. My buddy Greg found uh, used to work at ESPN and uh William Hurt actually played Greg's dad if you check out the winning season Greg's family went through it, a horrible tragedy and uh the stories about a volleyball coach etc it stars Helen Hunt I've had Helen Hunt on the podcast you can go back and listen to it but found actually texted me because hey remember William Hurt played my dad I'm like oh yeah he was great played your dad in that movie um sad 71 years of age an actor who in many ways I mean Ron Darling texted me right away he's like oh man I love William Hurt I'm like I yeah you I dropping
2: all these names of texting that you do
0: but that's I was surprised. I was like, "Ron, darling's <laughs> into William Hurt." He goes, yeah. "Well, he was kind of thought to be like the next Robert Redford, right? Blonde, handsome, smart." Yeah. He's said, like, "Yeah, totally." And then he goes, "He had his demons." I'm like, "No question about it. This guy won an Academy Award for Kiss of the Spider Woman. You know, memorable in body. Heat. I love him in Broadcast News. If you work in television, you've seen Broadcast News. Um, he's also been in for, for younger fans, General Ross in the Avengers movies. So if you're if you're under the oh, age yeah. of 35, you know, him know for the Avengers guy. movies. I know this guy. Yeah, William Hurt, you would definitely know. But." I've got to tell you a couple of stories here. One, This is all, by the way, from the great Tiber. Subscribe to his watch list. Tiber's the best. He has this quote from a salty interview you have with Kathleen Turner. This is the question to Kathleen Turner. I read in your memoir that William Hurt was into magic mushrooms. Did he ever try and get you to take them with him? No, I never tried any of those things that he liked. Bill can be very odd. How so? I remember one night while we were shooting Body Heat, we were sitting around, and for some reason he wanted to talk about how we'd each like to die. I don't remember what my answer was, but he said he wanted to be sucked up into a jet engine. You would find yourself in that kind of discussion with Bill. Then when we did the accidental tourist, Bill was sober, so there was fewer discussions like that. God, you did not want to get Bill talking too much this is a guy who was a big time actor in the 80s as I said above the title kind of guy in the 90s kind of became a supporting actor I loved it in a movie called One True Thing Meryl Streep he's excellent in that The Doctor I've never seen I would like to watch that so maybe next week on uh, on Cinephile we'll go back in the uh, the playbook here for the old movie maybe I'll watch Body Heat or The Big Chill again to break it down but listen good actor clearly had his demons I mean there's there's stories that are not coming out Marley Matlin apparently her relationship with him in the mid 1980s drug use physical abuse the mind games clearly a torture artist, but a great actor as well. And um, my man, Keith Oberman, another name drop, he texted and said, William Hurt's amazing. He said, I met at the Emmy Awards. He came up to me after Keith's dad had died and he he spoke to me for like 15 minutes about fathers and sons and, and couldn't have been better. And as I mentioned, Greg Found said, William Hurt played his dad, couldn't have been a nicer guy. So clearly had some demons, gone too soon at the age of 71. Go watch some William Hurt movies and appreciate this Academy Award winning actor. Thanks so much, as always, for checking out Cinephile. Next week, all eight episodes of the limited series Dope Sick, starring Michael Caton, I've talked about it. I've mentioned the award shows. I finally watched it, binge-watched all eight episodes. It's on Hulu. Make sure you check it out. And next week, Oscars preview. The Oscars right around the corner, so we're talking Dope Sick, and I will tell you each of the major categories, what should win and what will win. Until then, I'll see you at the movies.